0: Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm just gonna read verses 23 through 28, and then we'll uh, dive right into it this morning, all right? The Bible says this, By faith Moses, when he was born By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Lord, we come to you and we just ask, God, would you bless this time now that we have into your word. Lord, that you would just uh, speak to us, help each and every one of us to hear from you Lord and I pray that you would just use every word that comes out of my mouth this morning to uh, just be used uh, as if it was your very words Lord coming since it's coming from your word and God I pray that it would just be a help and a blessing to each and every one of us that we might apply it to our lives grow more as a result of it and we pray this in Jesus name amen in uh, in this life uh, we often have to make decisions don't we We have a lot of decisions that just come up. Some of them, seemingly small decisions. We don't have to do a lot to think through them. They're minor decisions. I mean, what you wore this morning, that decision that you made is seemingly really inconsequential um it it, the good consequence of it is you decided to wear something this morning right that's a good uh part of the minor uh decision to what you were going to wear this morning but really there's so many decisions that we make constantly throughout our days that are minor decisions then there's those ones that are medium decisions right they they have a little bit of consequence uh to them. There's some weight to those decisions, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, they really don't change a lot of what's going on in your life. And then we have the major decisions, right? Those decisions that come up in our life that uh, change the trajectory of where we're going in life, or they completely change uh, who we are and how we do things each and every day. Uh, uh, they, uh, they change uh, sometimes uh, what we say uh, we do as a profession that's a that 's a major change you know someone who makes a major decision to uh change professions and uh sometimes to change where they live and all of those major decisions really have big consequence to them and i 'm sure that if we really thought about all the decisions that we've made in our life, we could probably all look to some that we we regret making those decisions right like wow. I really, that that I just wish I could take that decision back because uh, it just wasn't the greatest one. And I think there's also decisions we would look back and we go, I am so glad I made that decision uh, because of where it's brought me, where it's brought my family, where it's brought uh, uh, everything that we do in our life, in our church, all of those things. Uh, we'd probably look at both if we look back on our decisions, on our choices, and, and be able to see some that we uh, regret, but also some that we uh, thought were a really good decision. But uh, the, the point I want us to see this morning as we look through the life of Moses is that when it comes to living by faith, it involves choice. It will involve choices that we have to make. Uh, you'll have to choose, when it comes to living by faith, who you're going to believe and who you're going to obey, and uh, who you're going to follow based upon that belief. You're going to have to make a choice. And that's what we uh, see, that's what we face here in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 28. We see in the life of Moses, used as an example, and we uncover the choices of faith. So how does faith inform our decisions? How does faith inform our choices? Well, first of all, we see that faith chooses God's plan. Faith chooses God's plan. Verse 23, it tells us that by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now this first verse, uh, it's interesting because when you first start reading it, it sounds like it's going to talk about a faith decision that Moses made. It said, by faith, Moses, and then it goes off and says, was uh, was uh, helped or uh, what, I can't think of the word, right? influenced is the word I'm looking for, was influenced or uh, was had the product of a faith choice that was made by his parents. That first voice tel- verse tells us uh, that Pharaoh had made an edict that all the children under two would be killed. If you look at the story in Exodus, uh, really those first three chapters is where a lot of what our passage in Hebrews 11 comes from. The, uh, this Pharaoh at the time had made a command that all the children under two would be killed. The word came to the Hebrews that their babies, their baby boys under two, had to be slain because Pharaoh did not want to see the continued proliferation of the Israelites. And so he gave this command to kill all of them. But we learn that by faith, Moses' father and mother, uh, Amram, his father, and Jacobed, his mother, we we learn that they made a decision. Uh, in spite of the law of the land about the killing of their kids. That because their child was a beautiful child, that word proper there is uh, another way to say it would be a beautiful child, they were uh, not going to obey the king's decree. And, and they made their decision about Moses by faith. So already at the very beginning of Moses' life, we see that Moses was born into a faith-filled home. He was, uh, he was born into a faith-filled home. You know, if you want your children to have faith, they need to see faith. They need to see faith in your home. In the context of a faith-filled home here in Moses' life didn't show up when Moses' mom and dad were at church or were worshiping or observing different laws that the Israelites were supposed to uh, observe. It showed up when the laws of the land were against their family structure. That's when their faith-filled home shows up. In our story, the king, he had made this command to kill all of these babies, but by faith, they were not terrified of the king's command, it tells us. Now the question is, what was it about the way this child looked, this beautiful child that made them so confident in God? Well, if you read uh, Stephen's message that he preaches in Acts chapter number 7, he talks a little bit about it. And In verse number 20 of Acts 7, Stephen's message says that Moses was lovely in God's sight. He was lovely in God's sight, well-pleasing uh, in God's sight when he was born. So when it tells us that he was a proper child, he was a beautiful child, it's not merely talking about what he looked like. It's talking about God's perception of the child. So he was lovely in God's sight. They they looked at Moses and because it was a faith-filled family, they said, God has a purpose for this kid. God has a purpose for this child. God thinks highly of of this child, And they chose to believe God's plan for their children in spite of what the culture was saying uh, and doing and legalizing. Moses, he was born into a time of, of abortion and infanticide and secularism there in the li- land of Egypt. And they, his parents, had to raise him in spite of it. What, what we see they didn't say, if you read the story, what they didn't say was, man, it's so bad out here that we're not even going to have children. They didn't say that. They they didn't say, well, it's so bad, I'm afraid to bring children into this world. They said, in spite of what is going on around us, God has a plan for this pregnancy. God has a plan for this birth, and we are not going to be afraid of what's going on out there because we know who we believe here in this house. So they had a faith-filled home that that, uh, Moses was born into this faith environment. In fact, it was only when he was three months old that they had to kiss him goodbye. Most of us, we we don't have to uh, say goodbye to our children that young. A lot of people, they say goodbye at around 18 when they go off to the military or school or something uh, to that effect. But here, Jochebed and Amram have to say goodbye to their children, uh, or to their child Moses, at three months old. So they, they put their baby boy, the book of Exodus tells us, into a little basket. They send him down the Nile River. And it tells us that Pharaoh's daughter, saw him, saw the basket, and she takes him out and she saw that he was a Hebrew. Tells us that in the book of Exodus, that she saw this is a child of the Hebrews. How did she know that this little baby was a Hebrew? Most likely because the boy was circumcised. Because uh, the, the Egyptians, they didn't circumcise their sons. Jewish boys, they were circumcised on the eighth day. Circumcision was a sign that they belong to God and that they're under God's rule uh, and, and under his covenant. Uh, and, and if you continue on in the story, it's, I love uh, how, how it tells us what took place when they put him in the basket and he goes down the Nile. Uh, it tells us, if you continue, read further in those first few chapters, Miriam, Moses' big sister, when the parents pushed that basket down the river, uh, she ran alongside the bank of the nile watching the the whole thing take place and she saw the daughter of pharaoh pick it up and and take this child home and she says to the daughter of pharaoh this is what she says she says hey don't you need a nursemaid don't you need a nursemaid for that baby and she goes, yeah, I do need a nursemaid for this baby. She goes, hold on just a second. She goes back home and she sees her mom and she says, hey mom, do- Pharaoh's daughter needs a nurse because she just picked up my baby brother, your your son. And so uh, she needs a nursemaid for him. Be- and so what we see is that uh, she, she applies for the job, she gets the job and then she gets paid to take care of her own baby. I love it. If you look at the interaction between Pharaoh's daughter and, uh, and uh, Jochebed, he, she says to her, uh, here, do this and I'll pay you your wages. Like you're, you're going to get paid to, uh, to raise your own baby. So they choose by faith to believe God's plan for their baby. Despite what the Pharaoh had decreed, despite what others might have been doing, they chose God's plan. And as a result, they see God do something in a way that only he could have. With Pharaoh's daughter finding him and paying them to raise their own child. Only God could work something out like that. But it happened as a result of their faith to say, no, we believe God has a plan. And we're going to follow through with that plan. Despite what the Pharaoh says, despite what other people might be doing in our culture right now, we are going to believe God and choose God's plan over the cultures. So then we see secondly in verse 24 through 26 that faith chooses God's priorities. Not only does it choose God's plan over the plan of the worlds, but it chooses God's priorities. It says that when Moses had grown up, he had become an adult, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And, and what it tells us, if you read the story, it was around the age of 40 years old that he makes this decision. Around the age of 40 years old that he makes this decision. And I believe it took that long to make the decision because uh, he's caught between two worlds. He's caught between two worlds. His, his mother was raising him. And so I, I believe his mother would have been as she raised him, whispering in his ear, hey, you belong to God. You, you're not an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. You belong to God. You're the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. You're part of God's divine covenant with Israel. And then he gets over in Egypt and hears, we'll make you the strongest, the richest, the most powerful man in the world. That's what we have in store for you, is what he would have heard in the land of Egypt. And at the age of 40, Moses made a choice. He refused. He said, I will no longer be made known as an Egyptian. I will be known by what I truly am. I belong to the people of God. I belong to the people of God. Verse 25 says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a seizing. Choosing to rather suffer ill treatment with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I don't know if you noticed that word there, choosing. There was a a choice that was made in his life. You know, a lot of people, they haven't yet made this choice. What choice is that, Pastor? Well, uh, many have made it, but many have not made this decision because they've been uh, re- they've been dancing between two realities, and uh, and we need to make this choice. And what I'm talking about is making the choice that even if I'm going to uh, endure ill treatment because I associate with my faith and and I allow faith to govern my decisions, I I would rather say uh, I am going to stand with God's priorities than the world's priorities. That's, that's why the next verse in verse, uh, or the next word in verse 26 is so important. It says esteeming. That word's a word that means considering. The, uh, the text gives the connotation of making something, uh, making a decision uh, after thinking through it carefully. So, so he looked at all the pros and cons of this decision. And after doing so, he said, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, now, in that statement, he tells us two things about sin. First of all, he tells us sin is fun. and Anyone who doesn't think sin is fun isn't sinning right, right? Uh, that Sin is fun is the first thing it tells us. It's, there's pleasure in it. But secondly, what he tells us there is that sin is seasonal. He calls it the passing pleasures of sin. It may be for, fun for a time, but it won't be fun forever. That's what it tells us about sin there. And Moses, he made a decision. It's a lot of fun being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, It's a lot of fun being here. And if I go over here and follow God's way, God's word, God's people, I'm going to be ill-treated like they are. But I've looked at the pros and cons and at the age of 40, he says, I've decided I I am no longer going to be identified as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, as the heir apparent to the throne of Egypt. I have decided to cast my lot, whatever the repercussions are with the people of God. So the question is, why make that decision? Why would he make that decision? If I know I'm going to be mistreated and scorned, uh, and, and if I know that there could be negative repercussions, why would I risk it? That's, that's really the question. Because uh, what it tells us is this, he knew there would be reproach, that there would be shame or criticism that came along with this decision. And he decided to associate with Jesus Christ and his cross to follow his way will bring with it some shame and that would be the shame of rejection. Just like his future Messiah Jesus would one day be rejected. So why do it? Verse 26 tells us he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of a reward. So there's a motivation factor here. Uh, and, and what he discovered was that the payoff with Christ is better than the payoff with the world. That's what he had decided. And he calls it a reward. What's a reward? That A reward is uh, something you get for something that you do, a reward at work or a reward when you win a race because of a performance of some type. And Moses here is saying this, if I do this right, I will end up richer than if I settle for what I can get in Egypt right now. So the question would be, what's the reward he's looking for? Some might say, uh, the reward he's looking for is heaven. I I believe that could be the case. Um, uh, the Bible does call heaven a reward, but think about who's raising him, his mother. What, what his mother is telling him about his circumcision, most likely, uh, about this thing that sets him apart. She, she would have uh, explained to him that generations ago in our family line, Abraham was told to circumcise his son, and he was told to do so as a sign of this agreement, this covenant with God. And this covenant said that God was going to build a land and a nation. And he's going to give a promised land and this promised land is going to be for his people. And God's going to lead his people to this promised land. And Moses, let me tell you something, the reason you've gotten that education of Egypt and the reason that you've gotten uh, all this stuff and learned all the stuff that you've learned in the environment that you have is because God wants you to lead them to that promised land. I believe that she would have taught him that. The reason I believe that is because of what Stephen tells us in Acts chapter number seven, that uh, when he's reviewing Moses' history, it says that Moses, when he struck down the Egyptian who was pressing in Israelite, he supposed that his brethren understood already that God would deliver them by his hand. So he already had in his mind, everyone already knows I'm supposed to be their deliverer. So most likely he had been taught by, uh, by his uh, family when being raised by them about God's plan for his life. And God transferred the covenant from Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob and they had transferred the covenant to him because God had this thing out there that he wants to do through Moses. And his parents would have said, uh, he, w- he wants to do something in your life, Moses, and this thing is so big that you're going to be leading a whole nation. So don't settle for that junk in Egypt and miss out on the reward of God's inheritance, of God's promise. I I think uh, we've said this a few different times throughout the study of living by faith, but sometimes we can fall so in love with the world that we miss out on God's plan for our life. That we fall so in love with the treasures of society that you can die with money in the bank, with your name on a big plaque, with a big house, a new car, uh, a nice car, and then all of that on top of a wasted life. So many people get so enamored with all the things of this world that they have a lot when they go, but all of it was wasted. The life was wasted for Christ because they were so enamored with Egypt and the temporary pleasures of this world that they missed out on the eternal pleasures that come with bearing the reproach of Christ. My friends, we need to make the decision that the reward of God is greater than uh, the treasures of men. Now, there's nothing wrong with having the car and the house and the job and all of those things. There's nothing wrong with having those things unless you had to give up God to get it unless you had to hide your faith under a bushel to get those things. The the author of Hebrews says, Moses, he made the decision. He made the decision because he knew it was going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it to make this decision. See, but unless you believe that, you won't make that decision. But if you believe that the eternal treasures are worth it, then it will affect what priorities you choose here on this earth. We see that Moses' faith caused him to choose God's priorities. And then we see next in his life that faith chooses God's presence. In verse number 27, it says this, by faith he forsook Egypt, talking about when he left Egypt, uh, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, if you were to continue reading the story in the book of Exodus, you'd find that Moses made a graphic mistake. He killed an Egyptian outside of God's will and, and he had to run for his life. You may ask, well, why did Moses not stay and fight? Well, if you read the story, you find out it's because God's people weren't ready. Their their first response to Moses was, who made you a prince, a judge over us? That was their first response to him. But also Moses was not ready. I, I believe the next phase of Moses' life is where we see him change from a man who had a violent temper to a man who was known for his meekness as we see in Numbers chapter 12 and verse three. But Hebrews tells us that that his leaving Egypt was an act of faith. How is that? I, I believe that it was an act of faith because Moses knew that this, uh, his time had not yet come. He, he also knew and believed that his time would come. So by faith, he left Egypt to prepare for the work God would call him to do. After the disaster of his first venture into his ministry, Moses might have said, well, it's all over for me now. I tried to deliver the people and they don't like me, Pharaoh's after me. It could have been all of that and he could have uh, sunk in on himself, caved in on himself, but he didn't. By faith, Moses left Egypt, it tells us. Here's the principle. Focus your attention on becoming the person God calls you to be and trust him to lead you into the work at, uh, at the right time. Never despise the years of preparation. Paul, he spent years in the Arabian desert. Jesus worked for years in a carpenter's shop. And, and Moses spent 40 years in, Mid, in the land of Midian. 40 years of preparation. His greatest contribution to God's plan in his life wouldn't even come until the third phase of his life, into the last third of his life. He was in preparation for 40 years. But Hebrews tells us that through that time, he endured. How did Moses endure these long years of preparation? Well, verse 22 tells us that Moses endured when everything was against him. God's people were against him, Pharaoh was against him, but he dared to believe that God was for him. And he endured, this is where it tells us how, as seeing him who is invisible. As seeing him who is invisible. Some some of you may be going through some very tough things right now. And here's the question how are you going to endure them? How are you going to endure them? It, it, I, th- I believe that if we could see God standing next to us physically, we would trust him completely. If I could turn around and, and uh, see what's before me and go, oh, man, that's a hard decision. I don't know how I'm going to navigate this. And I look back and God is right there. Jesus Christ is standing right behind me and he goes, no, I got you. Go forward. I got you. I, I, I'm, I'm with you and I, I've got you here. I think if we could physically see him with us, we would trust him so much more completely. The truth is this, by faith, Moses trusted God as if he could see him right there in the midst of the desert. He, he's invisible, you can't see him. <laughs> but he, he lived as if he was with him. So the reality is, God is with us at all times. And so are we going to live by faith in those times of preparation, see, as if we see him being with us through the midst of it. By faith, he, Moses, chose the presence of God. He understood God was with him in this time. And then, you see if you continue the story, he actually saw God at the burning bush. So if you keep following the story in the book of Exodus, Moses, he's leading his sheep out there. He's no longer in Egypt. He's leading his sheep in the mountain of God, it tells us. So he's leading his sheep in an environment where God is. And he looks up and he sees a bush that's on fire, but none of it is, is wiltering. None of it is actually being consumed. And that blows his mind because the leaves are not burning. The branches aren't falling off, but the bush is engulfed in flames. I, I think that'd be so cool to see, wouldn't it? <laughs> you, you see this bush. Normally you see a bush on fire, you run because you know everything's going down and it's going to take anything in its path with it uh, if you don't have the resources to put out that fire. But he's looking at this thing and it's not wiltering. It's, it's not, uh, the branches aren't falling off, the leaves aren't being burned, but it's all engulfed in flames. And so he tells, uh, he says this, he says, let me turn aside and see this strange thing. <laughs> That's what he says. And when he turns aside to see the bush that would not burn, a voice comes out from the bush saying, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for you are on holy ground. And, and uh, God calls Moses, you read the story, God calls Moses to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go. Well, he does. He goes back. There's, there's a lot of, of stuff that the writer of Hebrews skips. So we're just gonna really quick go through a little bit of what takes place. But he, he goes back. And there's a lot of convincing that has to take place to get Pharaoh to finally allow the people of God to go. A lot of it would take faith on the part of Moses to do, throwing his staff down to become a snake, declaring some of the plagues. But the one that the writer of Hebrews keys in on is the instructions that he followed along with the rest of God's people concerning the Passover. That's where the writer of Hebrews goes next. And so I want us to notice lastly that faith chooses God's provision verse 28, it tells us that through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Moses put his faith in God's plan of provision by sprinkling the blood of a lamb without blemish upon the doorposts, so that death would not touch his household. And when God came by the door, go read it in Exodus chapter 12, God said, when I come to your door, if I see the blood, I will pass over you you will be spared the death that would come upon your household. You know, that's how each and every one of us who are saved are going to heaven. When God comes to our account, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. And as a result, the death and destruction that would have come upon us for our sin is passed over us because uh, the death that our sin requires was already dealt with. Jesus paid that penalty for sin. He died, the perfect lamb of God without blemish, just as those lambs without blemish at Passover Jesus' blood was shed in order that it might be sprinkled on our door, on our account. Just as God provided for his people at the first Passover, he provided for all people on Passover weekend around 2,000 years ago by giving his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And the Bible calls us to choose his provision by faith in order that we might be saved. If you've never trusted Christ, if you're here today, and you've never trusted Christ's work on the cross the provision of God for your sins. You can do that today. If you have questions about it, see me afterward. uh, Reach out and I'd I'd love to answer those uh, questions for you from the Bible. But Moses and the children of Israel's faith in God's provision and promises didn't end at Passover. Their, Their belief in God's promises and his provision for them didn't end at Passover. We'll see that in our next sermon in this series, uh, as we go on and see some of the things that they had to believe in for God to do. So what that tells us is that if you're saved today, you do know Christ, you have accepted and believed by faith his provision for you and chosen his provision for your salvation over anything that you could do. So if you are saved today, don't trust God's provision just for your salvation. God has provision for you for every next step that he has for you to take. So trust him and his provision for every single one of those next state steps. All throughout the life of Moses, if you read through uh, the, all, of, all of there in the book of Exodus, the life of Moses, we see choices of faith over and over and over again. So how about us today? Are we going to choose God's plan despite what an earthly ruler decrees or what culture accepts or what other people are doing? Are are we going to choose God's priorities over the passing pleasures of sin? Are we going to choose God's presence, holding to the truth that he is always with us that we might endure even in times of preparation? Are we going to choose to trust God's perfect plan of provision in our lives for salvation and for every next step of faith? Really all those questions come down to this one question. Are we going to allow our faith in God to inform the choices that we make in this life. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at winachichurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends. Hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at winachi church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.